This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined today, as always, by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing really well today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and also joined by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. Okay, so we have reached uh, an off day. The second off day of camp is Wednesday, at least since we've been there. So I figured let's try and throw out some names that have stood out to us. Stood out to us in a good way, stood out to us in a bad way. Let's come up with some some guys that we've noticed one way or the other, uh, and let's chat about them for a little bit here as we reach sort of a, a breaking point in camp, I think. Mary Kay, get us started. Give us a name. You know, one of the names I've been thinking about lately is Chad Thomas, the Browns defensive end. Uh, Chad Thomas has kind of been falling down the depth chart a little bit. Now, today, he actually left practice with a neck injury, and we don't know the extent of the neck injury yet, Uh, But leading up to that, I think he was almost in a precarious position on the team uh, where it just seemed like uh, he was going to almost have to fight for his job. Uh, You know, whenever they they put a backup guy in there, you know, it went, you know, it's going Porter Gustin and, uh, you know, then you've got Adrian Claiborne. He was out with a um, groin injury today too. But it just seems like Chad Thomas is kind of falling back a little bit. And I think that he's someone that's going to really need to step it up, if he can, uh, have to step it up and, and finish strong to survive that September 5th cut. That is not the name I expected to hear first, but it's a good one. Yeah, Chad Thomas, uh, kind of, he, he was working in in place of Miles Garrett for a little while, probably the first few days that we were out there, and then it stopped. He, he was down with the second team, and, and now he's, you know, we'll see what this injury is. He's had trouble staying healthy in camps in the past. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what his future is. But, yeah, I think, Scott, his his status right now is pretty precarious. Yeah, I wrote about uh, players on the bubble, and he was one of them. At one point, I was going to rank him, and he was probably going to be number one. Uh, you know, he, he got his big shot last year, uh, second year uh, in the league, and, and started eight games, I think. He was actually starting games before Miles Garrett was suspended. You know, as you remember, they had a lot of injuries, but uh, I think he ended up with like 17 pressures, four sacks, maybe. Um, PFF wasn't very impressed. He had like the fourth worst defensive grade on the team. So he didn't really grab that opportunity and, and, you know, make the most of it, at least not in a way that you would think would impress this year's coaching staff looking at that film. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to see Porter Gustin come up there, he got the first shot at, at replacing Miles Garrett when camp started. But then, you know, Porter Gustin is kind of like the, the riser here on defense. And Chad Thomas, you're right, has gotten knocked back. And, um, you know, he might be fighting with a guy like Robert McCray for, for a fifth spot, if they have a fifth spot. You know, they could just keep four defensive ends. Um, but, yeah, he seems to be going in the wrong direction. And certainly leaving practice with an injury isn't good news for him. And, and they did just claim Curtis Weaver today. We don't know exactly the extent of his injury. I was doing a little reading up on him and 
it sounded like it was a, a relatively serious injury. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it got overstated a little bit, but uh, the Dolphins tried to sneak in through waivers instead of just putting him on IR, uh, and, and they let him go. The Browns were able to snag him. So, you know, that maybe tells you a little bit about the state of the entire defensive end room, uh, if, they're, if they're willing to go out and get a guy like Weaver and bring him in and maybe see what he could do. We'll see when he's able uh, to get on the football field. Uh, Scott, why don't you give us our next name? All right. Uh, and, and again, I think I'm going along with, well, I mean, not so much Mary Kay's uh, trend here, but I'm not picking a guy who I think has really stood out in great ways, but he's definitely stood out as far as visibility. And that's Jojo Natson, uh, wide receiver, kick returner. Uh, the Browns picked him up uh, uh, as a free agent and it was pretty much expected that he was going to be probably the guy to beat in terms of kick return and punt return this year, just from the fact that they're, that they went out and got someone like that. And that's certainly been the case as far as the return game goes. He's, you know, number one in, 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 in order and when they're doing reps for returns. It seems like he probably has that lockdown. I don't know how you knock him out of that with no preseason games, you know. Um, but I think the thing that's really stood out to me is where, how he's used as a receiver. Um, he has gotten a lot of first-team reps, uh, a lot of reps in the slot when they've had Landry – and Beckham out there with him, um, which kind of surprised me because this is a guy who in two years has had two catches in the NFL. He really wasn't used much by the Rams as an actual receiver, um, but he seems to be getting every opportunity to try to prove to the Browns that he can produce as a receiver. So that's, that's really stood out to me. A guy like him in that role, um, getting first team reps uh, ahead of guys who, you know, like Higgins and Kadero Hodge, um, people like that who we maybe we thought coming into this were more likely candidates to be a third receiver. Yeah, that has been a little bit surprising at times. Um, but I, I do remember Kevin Stefanski saying uh, very early on that we are not only going to get our starters ready to play, but we are going to get the backups ready to play because with COVID-19, and they certainly had a scare this week uh, with, with the, anything that can happen with COVID-19, they want to have contingency plans. They want to have guys that can step in there. And also at this point, I think uh, they're also trying to do some exercise science where they're doing the best that they possibly can to keep their, some of their guys fresh. We know that Odell and, and Jarvis, you know, they have to be somewhat limited at times, especially Jarvis right now. Uh, so I think you know, that's part of it too, is that um, they're trying to work guys in. But I do agree with you, Scott. That's been uh, somewhat surprising to see him rolled in there so often. Yeah, he's. I've I've been surprised with where he's been. <laughs> that's that's really kind of all I have to add. You know, he's he's made some plays every now and again to see number nineteen make a catch, and you're like, oh, he's out there with Baker and and the uh, the front line guys. So uh, yeah, certainly a guy that that has stood out. Well, I was thinking about being a ray of sunshine since you guys were all gloomy here with your first picks, but you know what? I'll go with uh, a guy that has to stand out because he's a guy we're all watching very closely. I think Jedrick Wills has stood out, uh, not because he's been awful, but because I think we're seeing real growing pains with Jedrick Wills and we're seeing some issues. Uh, you know, he hasn't exactly locked guys down at that left tackle position. Uh, it's still very early. The, the offense as a whole is struggling, uh, but certainly early in camp, it has stood out that Jedrick Wills is still kind of growing into that position. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, put the binoculars on him a few different times today, uh, even in some, uh, you know, some one-on-one -on -one position drills. 
and and he one of the first plays that I watched he he jumped and uh, and I think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue too along with everything else he's going to have so much thinking to do out there because he hasn't had the time to learn his new position I mean that's just a sad fact of this COVID marred season that you take a young guy like that who is just incredibly young 21 years old and uh, try to put him in this very big job of left tackle and then basically say to him okay we'll see you in you know five months or whatever it is uh, it, it's been quite a challenge for him uh, you know I feel for him you see him he's out there working really really hard he's willing to stay after uh, take extra tips and coaching from guys like Olivier Vernon but you know I, I think that the Browns are readily admitting right now uh, that this is a work in progress and they're going they're going to have to keep an eye on it I mean they're not even putting miles over him on every single play right now because I think that don't want to kind of shatter his psyche you know they want to let him sort of work up to that but if you have to be doing that right now as often as they're doing it I you know I think it it's a sign that this is something to keep an eye on yeah the fact that they're uh kind of keeping Garrett Miles Garrett away from him is pretty <laughs> telling you know it was I think it was Monday when I tried to watch a little bit of him and I just got caught up and noticing the other side of the line and Miles Garrett's you know, flying around the edge against Jack Conklin. Uh, so if, you know, Jedrick Wills can kind of take some solace in knowing that, you know, Jack Conklin's having some issues over there with Miles Garrett as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, this is kind of where we expected things to be. And you could talk about uh, him doing everything right on his own away from Berea. But once you get out there, you kind of have to actually do it against live competition. And this is probably the one position that would have benefited the most from some, from some preseason games. And you don't get that. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, they, they don't have a ton of options. I know we've talked before about moving Jack Conklin over there. If it's like a, you know, a worst case scenario where Jedrick Wills is just not, you know, he's putting Baker Mayfield in danger and, and he's not doing other things he needs to do. Um, it, it's, I mean, you got Kendall Lamb and you got Chris Hubbard pretty much as your, as your outside options there. And that's not really where the Browns want to go. I don't think so. You know, they're going to give him every chance. And I think that's, the one position all eyes are going to be on that first series for the Browns when they play the Ravens. How is Jedrick Wills going to do? And, and he's going to get attacked. That, that's for sure. He's going to have to prove himself. And if we are, uh, again, looking at that depth chart, you mentioned Kendall Lamb. He was the guy the other day when they, they sent Jedrick Wills to the sideline after a false start. It was Kendall Lamb that came in uh, and, and manned that left tackle position. Uh, all right, Mary Kay, give us another name. You know, I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Johnson. You know, he's, he's out right now with the lacerated liver, but it was really good to see him back. He's back conditioning, and I think he's going to be back on the field uh, pretty early on in the season. I think he'll only miss a couple of games, if that. He'll probably miss one for sure, uh, maybe those first two, but I think he'll be back at some point, uh, perhaps even in the first quarter of the season. And that's good. That's important. They need all the defensive backs they can get right now. Uh, but he was very key in the nickel. And he was showing up. He was making plays. He was playing kind of like a veteran. And he was being very aggressive. And I think that, you know, that they need a little bit more of that. I think he was helping to set the tone in the defensive backfield. I saw, I've seen him force a fumble. I've seen him grab an interception. I've seen him uh, breaking up passes. And he was on the field a lot. And just somebody that I thought was having a really nice camp when he suffered that injury. Yeah, I think seeing him excel is a big thing for the Browns because it was really unclear who was going to step into that role. 
I mean, they might have known from the start when they signed him, but he didn't have, he had some slot uh, experience, uh, but he didn't have a ton. And seeing him come out of the gates fast uh, had to be pleasing for, for Joe Woods, especially uh, to know that, that they had someone who could come in and, and take, and take that spot. Now they got lucky uh, in him going out. They had, recently signed uh, MJ Stewart, who had even more uh, experience in that position. Um, of course, and he, he kind of got banged up too. So but you got two guys there now at a position that was really a big question mark, you know, a few months ago. Yeah, man, I think all you really need to know about Kevin Johnson is how little we saw of him, and yet he gets hurt, and we realize how big of a loss that, that's going to be for this team uh, until he comes back. All right, Scott, next name. How do we get this far without naming Harrison Bryant yeah, as a, as a player who stood out? Did I steal one off your list there, Dan? You did. That's all right. I got a long <laughs> list. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, he definitely lives up to the hype as a receiver. Uh, he catches everything. Um, I mean, he's looked really good. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, when the whole David Njoku, I want to be traded thing went down, um, I think it was easy to see – look at Harrison Bryant and think maybe that was one of the reasons because the Browns went out and drafted a very prolific college tight end to come in and play in this offense that we know uses multiple tight ends. Um, you know, I, I had someone email me uh, today saying that Njoku should have been on my bubble list. I don't think he'll be cut, but I think it's definitely open for Harrison Bryant to come in and take his spot based on what we've seen so far and knowing how David Njoku's had drop issues in the past. So, Harrison Bryant, to me, has really stood out. Yeah, and, you know, it's not helping David Njoku's cause that he has soreness now in the wrist that he had surgically repaired last year. So he has missed now, I think it's at least three days of practice with this soreness in his wrist. That's a concern. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, there's, there are only 14 padded practices. If you find yourself missing three, four of these practices, you know, life goes on without you. And that's where Harrison Bryant has really stepped in. And now you hear coaches praising him. I mean, you know, Kevin Stefanski really doesn't dole out a lot of praise very easily, right? He kind of holds back on that a little bit. But he was effusive in his praise today of Harrison Bryant, I thought, talking how, about how he's very locked in and he loves the progress that he's making. So I do think that uh, that is definitely something to watch. Number two tight end. Uh, Harrison Bryant is really making a strong, strong run uh, for that role. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick another big name. This is a good one. I think Austin Hooper. I think he's lived up to the hype. I think he's been very good. I think you watch him out there, and it's easy to think, all right, this guy's going to catch a ton of footballs this year, and he, he might end up leading this team in receptions. Uh, so I, I think Austin Hooper so far, he had a drop today. And again, I think it's telling you see that drop and you're like, I can't believe that was 81 because he's been just Mr. Reliable in, during this camp where this offense has struggled so much. Austin Hooper has been one of the bright spots along with Harrison Bryant. Uh, so I, I think Austin Hooper is a guy that, uh, you know, I, you wouldn't call him a riser or anything like that, but he is a guy that has lived up to the hype and stood out to me as like, okay, th this was probably going to end up being a pretty good signing. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he definitely absolutely has stood out. And the thing that he knew to do very early on was to develop that connection with Baker Mayfield. Got to know him as a friend, went to Austin, hung out with him, developed off-the-field chemistry. Those guys have become really good friends. I mean, they, they hang out together uh, off the field. And, 
you know, that, that sort of camaraderie is, is showing up. Baker has a trust in him. He goes to him with the football and that that's important. I mean, I, I don't think that you were going to see that all that much with, with Baker, maybe perhaps, and, and David Njoku, they, they just don't seem to have uh, that same rapport. So uh, it's it's good that your big big offseason signing, the guy that you gave ten and a half million dollars a year, is getting along great with the quarterback, and that the quarterback wants to feed him early and often. You know, the thing that I've noticed when I'm watching practice is I often get Richard Higgins and and uh, Hooper mixed up, and it's part of it's because of the number issue. Uh, uh, Hooper's wearing eighty one now, and uh, Higgins has eighty two. But uh, also, it's just like body type. Like Hooper, he could pass for a wide receiver just from what I've seen of him. And I think maybe it's because he wears these baggy uh, kind of his shirts a little more baggier than some guys. He wears like long sleeves underneath and it's just, you know, he comes off looking like a receiver. And I think you're right. He, he, he's the guy who stood out, you know, um, all the tight ends, obviously new joke has been out, but I think the tight ends have looked pretty good. Um, I don't think they've, there's been an issue where you're wondering, gosh, do they have the tight ends who can run this offense? I think that, uh, even today, you had uh, Farrell Brown and, and Stephen Carlson, and on Monday as well, making some decent catches and, and kind of showing up in practice. So uh, they got the horses there, and I think Austin Hooper is definitely someone, someone that I think the Browns fans can be excited about. Okay, we'll take a break. I'll tell everybody about Football Insider, and we'll do one more round here of, uh, of guys that stood out to us, and then maybe we'll uh, run through the rest of our lists as well. Uh, once once we discuss a couple more guys in depth. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko. Let's go through our lists again. Everybody throw out one more. Mary Kay, go ahead. Well, once again, I always feel so bad when I steal this one from you, Dan. But, oh. uh, but I mean, you got to have Kareem Hunt at the li on the list of guys that stand out, uh, that have stood out so far. And again, once again, I've mentioned this before on this pod, but uh, Dan got a hold of his track coach from Willoughby South, did a great story on him about – uh, you know, running those hills and what it took for 
Kareem Hunt to get in shape. You can find that obviously on uh, cleveland.com. But uh, he he has looked tremendous. He's looked really good. He looks locked into me. Uh, you know, that's the way that Kevin Stefanski described Harrison Bryant. But Kareem looks really, really, really locked in, loaded, ready to go, catching balls out of the backfield, running through the whistle, uh, you know, giving these guys a great look, run for their money. Got a lot of first team reps when Nick Chubb was out with the concussion. Uh, now you see them together on the field. And uh, I just think it's, it has the potential to be a really big year for him. Yeah, they, he looks fast. Really, um, a lot of the running backs just look fast. And, and they're not going like game speed, I understand. But uh, even Dontrell Hilliard and Nick Chubb look great. But I think Kareem Hunt really stands out compared to everybody else. And, you know, again, it's he's here the whole time. He's healthy. And I think he's on a list of those type of guys. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. is on that list and probably Jarvis Landry and guys who I think are just in a different situation this year. And it'll be interesting to see how he's used, how much he's used compared to Nick Chubb once they finally start playing. Yeah, his, uh, his track coach told me that the Browns have a, the makings of a pretty good 4 by 100 team with him. <laughs> Denzel Ward was, was a really good track runner. I, for, I forget what other names he threw out there. I think if you're Chubb in there as well, I think he was a sprinter in high school uh, and, and somebody else. But, yeah, I mean, look, this is a huge year for Kareem Hunt, uh, not just because it's likely to be his first full season. He's 25 years old. He's a free agent after this year. This is an enormous year for him. He's got a chance to recoup some of that money that he lost because of, of what happened at the nine and, and getting cut by the chiefs, you know, otherwise he'd, he'd be coming off a huge extension playing in Kansas city, celebrating a super bowl. Right. So that this is a really important year for him in so many ways to like save his career. And, and I think we're seeing that with the way he's come back in camp and, and he's not going to put up the kind of numbers he did his rookie year, obviously, because he's got to split carries and do different things, but he's got a chance to show that, that he's still that, that same running back of a few years ago. Scott, who else do you have on your list? I'm gonna say Porter Gustin. Yeah. Now, it's hard to really gauge how well the defense is doing in, a, in practices like this because there is no tackling. You can't sack the quarterback. Um, a lot of times the defense knows what the offense is working on, but I think Porter Gustin's rise up the depth chart is, is definitely worth noting, um, especially with the fact that he came in last year kind of as an emergency replacement Later in the season, um, I mean, they were just searching for bodies at that point. And, you know, he's, he's kind of kept that number two spot behind Miles Garrett. And I think to go from that to, to being part of a, a other rotation from week one this year, it would be a big step for him. And, you know, it, they, they need to get people who can produce behind the, your starters because we saw how important that was last year when people went down and, you know, were suspended. So Porter Gustin, I think, is one of the guys who stood out. And once we started seeing him uh, opposite on the other side of Olivier Vernon when Miles was out and Chad was over there on the sidelines, that's when you started to realize that Port Augustine is one of the reasons that uh, we, we kind of all have Chad Thomas a little bit on the bubble right now or needing to step it up and really show something if he can over these next couple of weeks before uh, that final roster trim. So um, yeah, Porter, Porter has shown some things. He's given, uh, he's given Jed a good look at times, uh, you know, so he, he's gone up against Jedrick Wills Jr. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's had his moments, you know, it's been a pretty good battle between those guys at times. So he definitely has stood up. Could throw, could throw 90 when he played baseball. 
He was a pitcher, by the way. Some Porter Gustin trivia. I got bored in the locker room last year and <laughs> found out some trivia about some guys. One of the things I like is after practice, we don't get to see as much, but I, maybe I've mentioned this on the pod before, but a couple, couple times after practice, I've spotted him over on a, you know, working on a dummy with Adrian Claiborne. Uh, just after practice, those two working together. So uh, certainly Porter Gustin is putting in that time after practice. Uh, my last one, I'm going to go to receiver. And this is a guy that has not been at practice the last few days for personal reasons. Uh, but Kaderil Hodge is a guy that has stood out. Because I think, you know, if he were still at practice, we'd be talking about him as, oh, yeah, this guy's going to make the team. This guy's playing with the ones. You know, I think he's going to make it anyway because of his, his ability to play on special teams. But this is a guy that has been getting a lot of first-team reps, especially when Jarvis has not been in there or if Odell's been having a light day. Kaderil Hodge is a guy I wasn't 100% sure about coming into this year where he would stand. Uh, but I think he's somebody that, you know, I, I don't have much reason to think he won't be on the 53-man roster once we get there. Yeah, you know what? Before he left for, for the personal reason, which he's been gone now, I think today was like the fourth day. Um, before that, I really thought he was sort of standing up and grabbing that third receiver spot. I really did. I mean, I just, he just, seemed, it seemed like every time we looked out there, uh, he was making a, a, a nice play. And, uh, and I, you know, I, it, it just seemed like number 12 was the one that I was seeing uh, make those catches more than anybody. Uh, I didn't even see until recently, you know, now Rashard Higgins, they're, Higgins, they're really talking up Rashard a lot, which is, which is good. I, I, I want to see him make the team. I like the connection that he has with Baker Mayfield. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of glad that he made the comeback. And last year was such a weird year for him. But before this last few days, I, I was thinking that uh, Kaderil Hodge had kind of overtaken him. I thought all that too early on in practice, but uh, lately I'm wondering if, if Kadero Hodge makes this team. Oh. Um, I, I'm looking at the depth chart, you know, and you know the top two spots. And Jojo Nafson, we talked about him earlier, getting a lot of uh, reps and, and an opportunity to be part of the return game. Donovan Peoples Jones, someone we haven't talked about on this podcast, but draft pick, who's also uh, pretty entrenched in, in some second team reps. Um, I thought that Kadero Hodge was probably in that group if you're looking at five receivers until I heard Alex Van Pelt talk the other day and kind of run through some of the receivers who stood out to him. And the first person he mentioned was Rashard Higgins. He was also the last person he mentioned. Yeah. He circled back around to make sure he got at Higgins again. All the people he named in that quote, and I, and I know he's going off the top of his head, he's not going to name everybody, but he did not name Hodge among the receivers that uh, were standing out to him. Maybe it was just an oversight, but um, I put Hodge as a bubble player on, on the list I wrote about. And um, I, I don't know if anything's changed since those first few days of practices, but I think you're right, Dan. Early on, it was like, wow, Kaderil Hodge getting a lot of reps uh, with the first teamers. But um, I don't know. I, it's going to be tough, I think, to, to squeeze him in if they only take five receivers. Yeah, it might be up to Mike Prefer. <laughs> if, yeah. if they say to Mike Prefer, you get X number of guys. You know, Hodge might be a guy he wants to grab, maybe Tavier Thomas. But, I mean, look, you said it, Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? You got to find a spot for him. Jojo Natson, it looks like you got to find a spot for him. So uh, those spots dry up uh, really quickly. Okay. Uh, we don't have to talk about everybody you guys have left on your list, but Mary Kay, did you have anybody on your list that we didn't get to? Um, 
I got I got two. Well, I guess I have I guess I have one. We kind of talked about another, but I had uh, I had Rashard Higgins just because of what Alex Van Pelt said, uh, and then I also had B.J. Goodson. Oh yeah. Um, he he was another guy that I had on my list. We've talked a lot about him on this pod, but he he's one of the guys that I one of those extras I had on my list. Yeah, I mean B.J. has has done a really nice job. He's really established himself as a vocal leader on the team. Uh, you know, he, he stands out. I mean, you look out there and you just start, you see him, you hear him, he's active, he's aggressive, uh, he's playing fast. And, and I, I think they're, they're really happy with, with what he's doing. I think another guy that, um, that has stood out that we haven't really talked much about is Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward's off to a nice start. Right. He's gotten his hands on a couple of passes and that's good. Wow. They need that from him. Like the only, the only other player I had that was worth mentioning, and it was really standing out for not standing out so much, is Sione Takitaki. And we mentioned B.J. Goodson. Uh, when they go to two linebackers, it's Goodson and Takitaki out there. And I don't know – I don't remember anything from camp so far where I thought um, that Takitaki had kind of, uh, you know, made a memorable play or, or done something to kind of flash at all. Maybe he's just being solid. Maybe the coaches love what he's doing. Um, but I haven't come away from this first, you know, week or so of camp with uh, uh, an image in my mind of Taki Taki standing out. And he's somebody who I think we talked about before who really needs to kind of make a leap from how little playing time he got last year. Um, again, maybe he's solid. Maybe the coaches love what he's doing, but from the outside, it's like, he's, he's just there right now. Yeah. I mean, I thought he had a pretty good week. There was a, a couple of days there where he, uh, I can't remember that one day they were on the back, they were on the backfield. And I remember looking out there and thinking that he was having a pretty nice day. And again, it's hard for those guys uh, to really establish themselves when you cannot wrap up, right? I mean, if, if you're not tackling to the ground, half the time when we start talking about really good defensive performances in the preseason, it's usually during the preseason games yeah. where that's where they're making their mark. You know, they're getting a strip sack. They're causing a fumble. They're knocking the ball. You know, they're making a stop. The defensive guys really, you know, have their hands tied, so to speak. But uh, I actually thought he had a pretty good week. It's hard to tell, too, from where we're watching practice with some of these guys. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe Taki Taki's been getting in the backfield and we just can't see it real well. You know, it's really hard to judge far, those positions and those front four positions because normally we're right there in the line of scrimmage and we can see, like, oh, this guy got really great push on that play or this guy has been, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, Taki Taki has sort of been a couple moments where I've seen him do something and other moments where it's just kind of like, I, I don't really know who else is out there at linebacker right now. It's DJ <laughs> Goodson and I don't know who else. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Football Insider to get camp updates, all sorts of stuff uh, throughout the day when we are out of practice. And of course, whenever there's news and subscribe to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So as soon as I publish on this every day, it shows up right there on your phone. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.